0: What's going on, guys? Sam Adams here, and welcome to another episode of Caffeinate. Of course, if you are not familiar with the show, my name, as I said, is Samuel Adams, and this is a daily gaming news-oriented morning show where I bring you the hottest gaming news every single weekday morning on YouTube.com slash Samuel Adams Media. I fill you guys in live, and then the audio is exported to podcast services around the world like iTunes, like Apple Podcasts. I suppose that's the same thing. You got the Google Play Store, Spotify, a whole bunch of other ones. Spotify, my personal favorite, but it is available wherever you do get your podcast. And you can always follow me on Twitter at PrettyChill. i would get links to that at the end of the episode. But today we have some pretty big news, including the fact that Fortnite has come to Android today. And when I say today, I mean yesterday, but it's coming to other stuff tomorrow. It's a little bit complicated. We'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, but we do have a limited edition PS4 coming out that celebrates 50 million PlayStation consoles sold excuse me, 500 million, I thought that number was a bit off, but 500 million PlayStation consoles have been sold across the PlayStation 1, 2, 3, and 4 which is pretty massive, don't know if they count Vita, I would assume not, Uh, but Ubisoft has stopped development of Steep for the Switch, Mighty Number 9 is still missing in action, Discord is changing things up and taking Steam on head-on, which is pretty interesting if I do say so myself, Uh, according to Game Atsura Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery has cleared an impressive number of doll hairs uh, since it launched on mobile phones. The inaugural Overwatch League final pulls in a ton of viewers. Red Dead Redemption 2 has some new gameplay, and today marks the day that we get to see some more gameplay of a very hotly anticipated title from yours truly, Doom Eternal. So I'm excited to break down all of these pieces of news with you. But before we even jump into that, thank you for taking the time to check out this podcast, whether you're watching on YouTube or another platform. I just am glad that you're here. But with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the news. Fortnite comes to Android today, which again is yesterday, but there are some catches. The last major gaming platform without Fortnite Battle Royale will get an invite only beta version of the ultra popular multiplayer shooter starting today. It's not just coming to every Android user yet. First catch, at first, beta invites are only going out to people who own Samsung Galaxy phones, surely the sign of an exclusivity deal that is unlikely to please any non-Samsung phone owners, so if you don't have a Samsung Galaxy, don't be on the lookout for a beta code. According to a press release, the beta will then be offered to users of many other Android devices over the next few days. The list of supported devices includes several Google Pixel, Razer, Asus, and LG models. It does not yet include HTC, Sony, and Lenovo devices. A frequently asked questions on the website of Fortnite Development Studio Epic Games indicates that the models are currently unsupported, working on fixes in the near term. The second catch is that the beta is all invite-only for now, though Epic uh, Rep says that the game will be available for anyone with the right device to download sometime this summer. In an unusual move, Epic does not plan to release the game on the Google Play Store and will instead expect users to download it from the game's official website. As with the iOS version, the Android version of the game will not support Bluetooth controllers or voice chat, though Epic indicates that both will be supported, quote, later. When who knows. Epic says that Android players will by default be dropped into matches with other mobile players, not with console and PC players, but a rep explained to us that Android users can party up with console and PC players and play against other players on those platforms that way if they do choose. So essentially what you got going on here is the fact that Fortnite is coming to Android and has come to Android, but only for those that have Samsung Galaxy phones. And then moving into the next story, Samsung's Galaxy Fortnite Android exclusivity lasts for 48 hours. The Samsung Galaxy smartphone owners get 48 hours to enjoy the Android version of Fortnite Betas, uh, or excuse me, Fortnite's beta before Epic Games begins to open the beta to the rest of the estimated 250 million supported Android devices in the public's hands, according to Samsung's press release on the phone. The exclusivity window runs from August 9th through the August 11th. People with the Galaxy Note 9, Galaxy 9 Plus, Note 8, Note S8 slash plus, pretty much everything from the S7 and up, and then a couple of tablets uh, can play the Fortnite beta on Android. After this window of exclusivity the game opens up to a March, uh, much larger swath of Android phone users. So there's more that can be read there, but essentially, what you got here is a limited time exclusivity deal that lasts for 48 hours. That was a lot of talking. Uh, So with this, I'm not really shocked at this. Obviously, a lot of money exchanged hands to get this kind of thing going. I'm not sure how much, though, because 48 hours is not that big of a deal for me. Uh, Of course, those that have been hotly waiting on Fortnite to come to Android are going to be very excited about this. But for somebody who plays normally on PC, I'll occasionally play on my iOS device. Not really. I think I played one or two matches. Uh, It just isn't something that really appeals to me overall. So if you want to jump in and play Fortnite and you have anything from the Galaxy S7 slash 7 plus slash edge whatever it is so many phones these days there's a big kind of like a it's really a Ponzi scheme kind of thing going on where you feel like you have to upgrade but you don't and all that good stuff but um I digress, that's a video for another day, so if you want to jump in right now, you can head over to the official Fortnite website and download it, because apparently, Epic is too high and mighty to be like everybody else and go on the Google Play Store, where it's so convenient to get your games from. Uh, So, again, you know, it's not exactly the most convenient way to play the game on your Android, but there it is, you know, if you uh, want to make sure that your phone works, I'm sure there's going to be a list of phones released over the next few days, if there is not already, uh, that lets you know if you are able to do it, and able to run the game, but overall, I would say, that the majority will probably be able to play it uh, considering the thing runs on any iOS device that's um, I think it's Android, uh, iPhone six plus, something along those lines. They're newer. It's not that beefy of a game. They can, they can, they can take those textures down a little bit. So we'll see what happens with that. But if you want to play Fortnite on Android, it's happening, uh, and it's been a long time coming. And of course, it is invite only. So hopefully, over the next few weeks, uh, we'll be seeing more because they did say by the end of the summer, more people will be able to play. So the end of the summer is very quickly approaching. I would say within the next month at the max, you're going to be seeing a lot more people jumping into the Fortnite Android beta, which. Again, has been a long, long time coming. But if you are more of a console gamer, you might be in the market for a brand new PS4, and a limited edition PS4 celebrates 500 million PlayStation consoles sold. It comes with a matching translucent DualShock 4 controller and PlayStation camera. So here's what it looks like. Uh, To break it down for you audio listeners, it's pretty much a blue translucent PlayStation 4, and of course, uh, you can see the insides of the PlayStation 4, how everything functions. You can see the disk drive. It's not as interesting as something like a, I don't know, so, uh, like a Game Boy where they had the translucent Game Boys, but the DualShock 4 is pretty cool, I will say. The PlayStation camera isn't translucent, Uh, but overall, a really cool console. Also, in the chat, John Gunter, what's going on, man? And also, Zion, hello, I appreciate the like and the subscription, thank you very much. Uh, But overall, let's jump into it. Sony revealed that it has sold over 525 million PlayStation systems worldwide since the console first launched 24 years ago, and that it's doing something special to commemorate it. It unveiled the 500 million limited edition PS4 Pro with a dark blue translucent shell, complete with a matching DualShock 4 controller, PlayStation camera, vertical stand, and mono headset, which is very, very useless. When it launched the original PlayStation in 1994-1995 in the U.S., Sony may not have imagined that it would sell over half a billion in under a quarter century. Launched in 2013 in the U.S., the PlayStation 4 alone has sold 73.6 million as of the end of 2017. It's easy to forget, though, that Sony was struggling prior to its release, and the console has been a key part of Sony's successful turnaround initiated by former CEO Kaz Hirai. Uh, So, essentially, there's 19 photos of it. Uh, Overall, it's exactly what you would expect. It's just a beautiful little... Obviously, the box is fantastic. Uh, For those that like hardware like myself, this is going to be much more interesting as compared to people that, you know don't really care about hardware. I have the classic black PS4 Pro just because it's sleek and it's it's nice to look at. You know, if you have it sitting below a TV, it's not going to look incredibly nerdy, just radiatingly nerdy. Uh, but this one, this specific model does have an interesting feature in that it's two terabytes. So that's pretty much double the standard edition of the PlayStation 4 Pro, meaning you can play a ton of games on it. Uh, so for those that love to really play older games, for those that like to have a lot of games installed and you don't feel like upgrading the actual hard drive itself, you might want to check out the translation PS4, uh, but of what I understand, there are 50,000 of these that are, uh, you know, available for purchase overall. Two terabytes is a fantastic amount of of storage for you but this is what really gets me going is this blue bar right here the uh the blue bar that lights up when you play games it's fantastic it looks really really nice uh but overall the buttons are interesting because they aren't actually colored of course normally you have the green triangle the red circle the blue x and the pink square but they're actually just regular translucent blue and I think it's a nice touch overall I'm a pretty big fan Also, it appears there's a gold PlayStation logo on the actual console, and gold options and share button labels on the controller as well. Uh, Pretty interesting stuff. Uh, But it is the PlayStation 4 Pro, obviously. It's the triple stack instead of the double stack, which sounds like a hamburger, which is why this is actually called the... I think it's the Big Mac console is what the nickname has been called, because it does have three layers. Uh, But overall, yeah, it's the Pro, so it runs games at 4K. Uh, I love my PlayStation 4 Pro, even though I play on a 1080p monitor. I think that it's totally worth the upgrade, just because you get more solid frame rates, Uh, and if you do have the 4K HDR TVs, then this is pretty much the go-to PlayStation. Of course, if you don't have a console yet, uh, then I would say overall that it's best to hold out for the next generation of consoles, because we're going to be seeing more of that over the course of the next two years or so. Uh, But it looks like, to me, the buttons are going to be Probably backlit, I would say. You're going to be getting some shine through from the LED light bar on the front, but it looks like overall they are not translucent. The buttons themselves don't have any kind of shine through them. That would be really cool, though. A backlit PlayStation 4 controller, that would be fantastic. Uh, I feel like there's probably some kind of third-party manufacturer that makes something like that, but that sounds awesome because I have backlit keyboards, and so I could see that being an incredibly... Uh, you know, awesome option for those that play on console. But the cool thing here is that you actually have a number on the PlayStation 4 itself. I didn't notice this on a bar right here. I don't know if I can zoom in. No, that's not how that works. Uh, but you have, you know, your number out of 50,000. So that's pretty neat. I will say that. Uh, but overall, you also have the mono headset that is translucent as well. Seems to be a bit overkill for that, but I like the whole completion. I would say keep this. Don't throw this mono headset away because this is what collectors are going to be looking for uh, over the next few years as these things become more and more rare you're going to be wanting that mono headset and a ton of people are going to lose that Uh, but then you have the stand overall everything looks pretty good the box is nice going to be very very collectible Uh, overall, it's kind of like the limited 20th or 25th, one of those uh, anniversary edition of the PlayStation 4, because a ton of people still have those in the box. Am I going to buy it? No, because I'm not somebody who is in need of having the latest and greatest and the collectibles and stuff like that. I'm more about playing the games. Uh, So when it comes to stuff like the PlayStation 4 Pro, I love playing on it. I think it's the best console out there, even though the Xbox One X is more powerful. I like the PlayStation ecosystem. Uh, But with the PlayStation 4's transparency, PlayStation 4 Pro model here. This is fantastic for those that are looking for a PlayStation 4 Pro. Maybe you're upgrading or collectors. Uh, it's going to be a big deal. But indeed, keep the box because this thing is going to be worth some dough, uh, I would say, in 10, 20, 30 years. Definitely 30 years. Uh, but overall, really cool. If you can keep it like this and you don't even open it, you don't even play it, that would be worth a hot penny but if you did want to check it out you can check out more info on it i'm sure that it's going to be sold at your local retailer and um, again if you want to jump in and give it a shot it's totally worth checking out because man those are some pretty cool little peripherals accessories consoles all that good stuff especially that mono headset terrible headset absolutely abysmal hurts your inner ear but cool for collectors without a doubt uh, but if you play on Nintendo Switch and you like snowboarding, then boy, are you out of luck, because Ubisoft has stopped development of Steep for the Nintendo Switch. Unfortunately, Steep no longer appears to be happening on the Switch. The official Twitter account responded to a fan asking about the game's status on Nintendo's console, stating that development has stopped to focus on bringing new live content and challenges to Steep players instead. Here is the tweet in question, of course. 5150 at gamer on Twitter says news on the Switch version of the game, and then Steep's official account replied and said, we are wholly dedicated to supporting the live game and made the decision to stop steep development on the Nintendo Switch platform to focus on bringing new live content and challenges to steep players instead. We will have more exciting news to share soon. Uh, of course, the story pretty much ends there, but overall, this is possibly one of the worst ways you could handle this situation. Number one, the game has still been and is still up as of the last time that I checked on Nintendo's official website as a game that is coming to the Nintendo Switch. On top of that, no announcement was ever made. No details were ever given. Uh, When it comes to when this game would be coming out, no details were talked about with the development. No one ever even knew this game was canceled, so... Why? Why not? That's what I really want to know. Why is this game just sitting there, and and people are still getting excited about it, and people are excited about the fact that it's coming to the Switch when it's not, and it should have been handled. Uh, It was handled very poorly, and the fact that they tried to kind of turn around the narrative and say, we'll have more exciting news to share soon, that seems to be a bit two-faced to me. I don't know. I feel like they should have just owned up to it and said, hey, look at that. Here we are. We're not making this anymore. But Steep itself is a pretty good-looking game. I've played some on the PlayStation 4. Uh, I believe uh, it was a couple of years back. Whenever it first launched, I gave it a good shot. But overall, uh, it's a good snowboarding game. It's not an SSX, I'll say that. It's a little bit different than that. Uh, Of course, I was a big fan of SSX, Tony Hawk, that kind of arcade style. I'm a big fan of that. Uh, But overall, you know, it is what it is. I suppose not everybody can be good at PR stuff. But overall, the company itself is doing very well. Ubisoft is making some incredible games. This one was just a bit of a blunder, and I feel like they were trying to sweep it under the rug. Speaking of games that were being Swept under the rug. Mighty Number no. Nine's 3DS and Vita editions remain unreleased. Developer is still silent. This is a big news story for me because I completely forgot about that, and I think that's exactly what the developer wanted to happen. Now, for those that don't know, I don't know how in depth this article goes, but Mighty Number no. Nine was kind of a Mega Man tribute almost. It was supposed to be a a really Mega man game, I don't know how to describe it, but it was started on Kickstarter, I believe, and it was funded completely, and then the game came out and it just absolutely fell on its face. Uh, the game was on sale the last I checked on PlayStation 4, and it was a couple of bucks. Overall, it was just a big, big mistake. But there was the promise, and backers backed the 3DS and Vita versions of the game. So now we'll jump into the article. The book on Mighty Number no. 9 is still not closed. The ill-fated ape of Mega Man, that isn't really relevant anymore, was supposedly on the precipice of movie and television deals when everything kind of unraveled. Then came the anime fan on Prom Night commercials that just made it all worse. Due to a myriad issues, the entire franchise exploded and is now relegated to cameo status in other games. Most of that is behind us, except for one thing, the promised portable Vita and 3DS ports that many folks backed and still haven't received. For reference, the finished product was released in June of 2016 after many delays. It's been over two years since then. Port development may have hit a snag in June of 2017 when lead developer Concept was acquired by Level 5, but later that year, they reconfirmed that the two ports were still on track, and it's been almost a year since that point. I've been trying to reach Concept," says the person who read this article, or excuse me, wrote this article. I'm the one reading the article. For the past month, through multiple means, and have not been successful, when contacted this week, Western publisher Deep Silver offered a simple no-comment response. Deep Silver likely has no control over the situation, and a simple their canceled confirmation from Concept. anything at all would really go a long way. Currently I'm trying to get in touch with Spike Chunsoft who published Mighty No. 9 in Japan to see if anyone has any inkling as to what is happening with this situation and they'll update you over there on Destructoid if they have any more info coming. Uh, I would say that you can go ahead and write off this game as a loss. Uh, You are not going to be getting a 3DS and Vita version of the game because the 3DS is on the decline. Of course it is one of the most popular handhelds right now Uh, but when you take into consideration that more and more people are playing Switch it seems like a more likely option that they would be bringing the game to the Switch and that's not going to happen at all all either so the fact that the vita version is out it's it's not going to be it's not going to be out you know it's just not going to happen unfortunately whenever you back a kickstarter uh There have been many, many instances where people have taken the money and run. Uh, There have been many, many instances where you have these promises that just fall through. And that's just the basic, you know, that's what's going to happen. So uh, you have these things from time to time. Pretty bad thing to do to people that back your product. But overall, you can't really change the fact that people want money and they will take that money and make something and then they'll fall through occasionally. So uh, hopefully we'll be hearing more about these two ports. I wouldn't be surprised if fans kind of forced them to put something out, but I don't know that anybody really wants this. Uh, I think that during the kind of conceptualization of this entire franchise, people wanted it on the 3DS and Vita, but after seeing what it is on the PlayStation 4 and other consoles, it's just why? I don't. I don't know who would want this. Uh, but many other games are going to be available on Steam, on other platforms, and Discord, because Discord is launching its own game store, Unified Library, to become more like Steam. Discord is expanding well beyond its voice chat app roots with a bevy of new features. Discord is becoming even more like Steam by starting its own PC store, simply called the Discord Store. The new service is available now in closed beta for fifty thousand or so Canadian testers. The Discord Store will function in a similar way to Steam, Origin, Uplay, etc., in that it'll offer games for direct purchase from publishers big and small. Unlike traditional online stores, the library will be curated on the Discord store with each game receiving written recommendations from staff and the larger Discord community. Discord wants to create a vibe similar to what you'd have in a small neighborhood shop where recommendations matter. As part of the store, Discord is also launching a first on Discord section. These are games Discord helped bring to life, which will remain exclusive to the Discord store for 90 days. Discord is also launching a new game subscription service that will become part of Discord Nitro, their premium service. Nitro has existed for a while as an option for users who want to show support to the company. Nitro subscribers enjoy a few small perks like being able to have an animated avatar, bigger file upload caps, and other nifty but largely unnecessary features. Its 5 bucks a month and 50 bucks per year prices aren't changing, but they will now include access to Discord's subscription service for games, of course. The company didn't reveal too much about the service, only that it'll feature a selection of curated games. I would assume it'd probably be similar to something like Twitch Prime, PlayStation Plus, Xbox Live, games with gold, etc. A Discord spokesperson confirmed that the library will be updated regularly, but couldn't detail exactly how the service is going to work. And of course, you can check out the screenshots here. Uh, We have Frostpunk, a pretty popular game that's coming out right now. We have Battlefield 1 coming from Origin, and that's what really makes this interesting is that you see the platform drop-down list here that lists where you can play all these games. And you see some like, uh, you know, End of the Breach, Frostpunk. Dead Cells, kind of indie games, if you will. Uh, but then you have Dark Souls Prepare to Die Edition, and that's on Steam. And then you have Darkest Dungeon on Steam, Enter the Gungeon on Steam, Rainbow Six Siege on Uplay. So it seems like not only is Discord going to act as a store, but it's also going to act as a launcher. So you'll be able to play games from other platforms on Discord itself, or at least launch them from that point, which you can sort of do now with its new Games tab. But this is a big step in the right direction, I think, because to be honest with you, Steam could use some competition. But it seems like it's a little bit muddled. I feel in my mind that it would be better if Steam and Discord kind of teamed up because obviously both have good aspects. Both have their strengths, as many services do. When you go over to Steam, that's pretty much the hub where many, many people get their games, buy their games, and play their games on PC. However, many people use Discord to play the games and talk with their friends. So to be able to kind of take the best of both worlds and make Discord integrate directly with Steam and pretty much uh, replace Steam's chat client, that would be the ideal situation in my mind, but then Discord would get lost in Steam, and the kind of close, tight-knit feel of Discord would likely get lost in Steam's giant corporate culture. So, It's kind of one of those things where you have to make a balance. I think that Discord is doing very well with what they're doing right now. I just don't want it to become kind of like the Twitch desktop app, which was revealed a couple of years ago at TwitchCon, and overall has just fallen downhill. Uh, No one really uses it, to my knowledge. It replaced Curse, which was pretty much a legacy version of Discord, if you want to think about it like that, uh, that many, many people used and still use today, especially popular within the Blizzard games community, of what I understand. Uh, I just kind of connect Curse with World of Warcraft in my mind. That's just kind of the way that it works. Uh, But, of course, if you want to jump in, I would highly recommend making a Discord account if you have not yet, especially if you play games with friends. Uh, It's a fantastic way to communicate while you are online gaming, or if you do any kind of uh, podcasting. I've been a guest on podcast through Discord. It's been fantastic. Uh, But really interesting to see that not only are they bringing games to the service, they're also having the Game Access Pass, which is where you get all the free games and stuff like that. Uh, So hopefully this will continue to evolve in a good direction. I wouldn't be surprised to see it kind of fall down a little bit, but I have faith that Discord is going to do very well. And also it's nice to see that Nitro has... I don't know, a reason for existence aside from just kind people that are supporting the actual platform itself. Uh, But if you want to check it out again, get a Discord account because it's going places. It's free. You know, you don't have to get Nitro. You don't have to put your games on it. You don't have to buy games on it. You can just literally use it as a communication service and you're good to go. Uh, But it really is a fantastic option. And for those that have the Canadian background, you might want to check your email because you may be in that closed beta to check out the new build of Discord with the Discord store and all that good stuff. But, We are moving on to the next piece of news, which is that Jam City's Harry Potter Hogwarts mystery clears $50 million in revenue. Of course, this is not a game that I am deeply invested in or connected with, but it's something that's interesting because $50 million is a lot of doll hairs. The mobile intelligence from Sensor Tower estimates that the mobile game Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery has generated $55 million in revenue since its late April launch, which we talked about here on Caffeinate. According to the company's estimates, the game reached $40 million in player spend by the end of June, so roughly $15 million in additional cash has flowed into the game in the month or so since. So far, 47% of that revenue has come from players in the United States as well. The report goes on to note that the first-time downloads of the game saw an 11% increase from June to July, rising from 3.1%. Five million in June to 3.5 million in July. Early on, the energy and timer-based monetization scheme for Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery drew some online sc- uh, criticism, I was going to say scrutiny, Similar word, similar meaning, not quite right, particularly in an early tutorial scene where players run out of energy as their player character, a school aged child, is being strangled by an aggressive vined plant. Despite that, chat of the game's early days regularly saw a grossing upwards of one million dollars a day, something further explored in a blog on Game Atsura from Wargaming Marketing, lead Vadim Bulatov. Wow, what a name. Looking at the element that led to the game's early success. So what you got here? Here's the fact that Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery is absolutely freaking killing it right now uh, with $55 million in revenue estimated from Center Tower. So if you want to jump in and you're a big fan of Harry Potter, it sounds like they have kind of fixed a couple of the issues that people had early on. Of course, it is still going to be one of those ones that nickels and dimes you, uh, you know, bringing in as much money as possible because obviously that's the name of the game. You got to make money you know that's that's what developers do that's why they do what they do and so if you want to uh jump in and give it a shot i've heard good things and uh right now we have we have in the chat i freaking played that game and spent a lot of money now i don't play it anymore well there you go exactly Steffi's over here just just making it rain on these harry potter developers uh so uh, it's very addictive it's it's one of those games you know if you're a big fan of harry potter be careful be careful i'm just saying I'm just saying. But $55 million is nothing to shake a stick at. But it's nothing compared to the inaugural Overwatch League final. Pulls in nearly 11 million viewers. That's more viewers than Harry Potter's new mobile thing has made in dollars. Uh, OWL, the Overwatch League, uh, final set president as first live esports event to be aired on primetime ESPN. Broadcast through both digital and traditional platforms, the first ever Overwatch League grand final pulled in 10.8 million viewers globally. According to the Overwatch League, this number exceeds the audience for all games from the opening week of 2018. Two matches were played over two days, which saw London and Spitfire beat the Philadelphia Fusion 2-0 in a best-of-three series at the Barclays Center in New York. During opening week, however, there was a total of 12 matches in four days. The finals also set a precedent as the first live competitive gaming to be aired on ESPN's flagship channel during primetime, which made football fans, baseball fans, basketball fans very upset and disgruntled. Meanwhile, a highlight show broadcast the next day on ABC was the first esports championship ever shown on the network. Globally, the finals were streamed worldwide via Twitch as well as on ML. In China, it was broadcast on Zanqi TV, Net ECC, and Panda TV. The Overwatch League estimates a live global average minute audience, a Nielsen audience metric across both days, was eight sixty eight hundred sixty one thousand two hundred five. In the target eighteen to thirty four demographic, the average minute audience was minute minute I don't know a a ton of people watch this thing man a ton of people so they combine these two numbers you got 11 million there you go uh, that's not right at all I'm so bad at math including the rebroadcast views the estimated average minute audience across minute whatever you got 11 million viewers okay you got 11 million viewers this is not a this is not a math podcast I'm not here to add up numbers or even pronounce them correctly you got 11 million people watching Overwatch League so here's the deal with me I'm not a huge esports guy it's just kind of not my thing. Uh, I like watching sports. It's okay. I can watch about 10 minutes. I find myself to be about the same amount of time invested in esports as I am in legitimate sports like football and baseball. Now, this is kind of a touchy subject. For me, esports just simply aren't really sports. I mean, I get the fact that it's a ton of people gathered in an arena that are showcasing their skills, but to compare something like esports to an actual physical game like football or baseball or basketball, it's just... I say that, like, Esports and then golf. That's like where I'm at right now. I'm sorry, that's just what it is. Uh, but it is going to be very interesting to see how this continues to evolve. Because if ESPN has this amount of of effort put into uh, broadcasting these kind of sporting events, if ESPN has invested that much time and also ABC, uh, then it is going to be interesting, as John in the chat says, uh, to bring esports into the Olympics. I've heard that's coming. I've heard that it's probably going to be added, uh, and I wouldn't be shocked. The question is, what Olympics? Uh, Uh, It could be in the summer or the winter, I would assume. So we're going to be seeing, I would assume, maybe in the Winter Olympics or both, perhaps, uh, more of this kind of thing. But I like the fact that the... um I like the idea of separation between the two. I don't know. Obviously, it's a bit uh, person-to-person basis. It could be something that people have strong feelings about to be in the Olympics or the other way around, but overall, it's just going places. I know that it's going places, uh, but it is going to be a very sports-specific kind of thing. It is going to be a big uh, source of revenue, I would say, as well, because in the same way that people buy their country's jersey, in the same way that people buy their team's jersey and their team's merch, you're going to be seeing more people uh, like the London Spitfire and the Philadelphia Fusion making teams that sell merch, and it's just going to be a continuous flow of money because people are passionate about this. Uh, Without a doubt, people love esports. I'm just not particularly one of them. Uh, So, you know, it is what it is. Of course, everybody's got their own preferences, like Steffi in the chat says, StarCraft at BlizzCon, that's a fantastic one to watch. Uh, I can watch a bit of League, uh, esports League, but it's just not me, you know, really getting into it. It's just me kind of, in the same way that I watch football, observing from a distance, sipping a drink and saying, oh, that's neat. So, if you are into esports, this was a big thing for you. As for me... Uh, It's interesting and and it's awesome for me because I see gaming kind of taking the forefront of people's attention. I mean, the fact that it was on primetime ESPN, that's a big deal. Uh, And so the more people that we can bring into the world of gaming, the better off it's going to be because more money is going to flow again. It's all about money uh, when it comes down to it. And then more games are going to be able to be developed and more games are going to come and it's just going to improve the industry overall. Uh, So it's exciting to see. I'm excited to see where it tends to go. And uh, I will continue updating you guys as to what's going on with the viewership, with the money coming in. Of course, that's the bread and butter of the podcast slash channel here. But for those that don't care about esports, you might like story-based games. And man, does Red Dead Redemption 2 look good. And it has been supported to support or confirmed to support PlayStation 4 Pro and Xbox One X. In case you missed it earlier today, Red Dead Redemption 2 got one hell of a gameplay reveal with approximately just over six minutes of footage showing what kind of adventure players are in for. And there is a lot to unpack between camps, a morale system, lots of gunplay, and the return of the dead eye system. There is more footage to come. This was pretty much the first in a video series, but an interesting footnote was missed during the gameplay as it made its debut, and that's where it originally came from. Based on this note from the PlayStation blog, the footage which captured via a PlayStation 4 Pro captured entirely from in-game footage on the PS4 Pro. Watch this introduction to Red Dead Redemption 2 so that obviously it was captured on the PlayStation 4 Pro. But for those that are concerned that the Xbox One X will be left out of all the fun, we can help you rest at ease. Rockstar Games has confirmed that the system will be supported by the game, complete with HDR, so no matter which way you play it, it'll look remarkable on full 4K. And for those that with the original Xbox One and PlayStation 4 hardware, it'll still look good for you as well. Of course, they go on here, but overall, the game is coming out on October the 26th for the PlayStation 4 Pro, Xbox One X, and of course, supported by the legacy consoles as well. Feels weird to call them legacy consoles, but it is what it is. Uh, No PC version has been confirmed as of yet. Probably going to be released in the same way that GTA V came to PC, which is a couple of years down the line. Uh, But this game looks absolutely fantastic. I won't go too far into the gameplay. uh, But overall, Arthur Morgan and the Vanderland gang look like a fantastic rendition of what you can expect from the iconic era of the time that the West is turning into the modern West. And it looks so good. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. I am excited to see more of the gameplay, but the the lighting in this game, the audio in this game, the look of everything. The lighting is what really impresses me because I'll try and scroll through and find it uh, right around here. If you if you watch this gameplay, there is something so natural about the lighting. Obviously, it looks similar in nature to GTA V because of what it actually is. It's a star game, but the rays of light shining through the clouds right there, the rays of light shining through these trees amazing to me to see how much this has changed since red dead redemption of course it's been a long time since red dead redemption came out and of course it was a completely different realm of hardware possibilities back then but overall just seeing these characters seeing the faces seeing the animations rockstar has done some amazing stuff here and i mean the fog the the musky nature it's so good uh, but i cannot wait uh, to see more of red dead redemption too. and of course this made my top five games of the fall list i'm excited to see more of that that video is up on youtube as well uh, released that last Friday I believe if you want to go back and check that out but overall looks like a fantastic rendition of the west as it transforms and begins to evolve into what we know as the modern day Uh, because you have some towns that have electricity you have some towns that don't trading post all that good stuff a ton of features this is a game that you can legitimately get lost in and I don't mean that as a metaphor like legitimately it's so massive you could probably get lost in it. It looks so good, but if you want to check out Red Dead Redemption 2 for yourself, it's coming out this October, specifically on the 26th, but if you are more of somebody who likes the blood and guts, then Doom is getting some gameplay today at 11 a.m. Central Time. Of course, this tweet was sent out from the official Doom Twitter account at 1.43am today, uh, which was about six hours ago or so, almost to the dot. Uh, but if you want to check out some gameplay, of course, QuakeCon is happening right now this weekend, and we are going to be seeing more of the next Doom, which is, as we all know, Hell on Earth, a fantastic looking game. I loved the Doom that came out back in 2016. Uh, a lot of uh, of gore and a lot of, a lot of just amazing gunplay in this game. A very fast-paced arcade-based shooter. Uh, but we will talk about that on Caffeinate on Monday uh, whenever we know more about the game of course as we always do on Monday it's kind of the recap because more and more news happens over the weekend sometimes more than other times but overall we always talk about it right here however that wraps up today's episode of Caffeine. If you did enjoy today's show, then be sure to drop me a follow over on Twitter.com slash PrettyChillGuy to know whenever all of the videos come out, whenever all of the streams go up, Uh, I'll be over on Mixer.com slash Samuel Adams playing some Call of Duty Black Ops 4 beta as the weekend number two kicks off uh, later on this afternoon. It's going to be a fantastic time. I'll be on a good bit this weekend because I fell in love with that game last weekend whenever the beta came out. The best feeling caught in years, I will say that right now, and I'm not talking about the fish, but if you did want to check out some other videos, some other podcast. There's a ton of content out there. Follow me on Anchor.fm to know whenever the audio version goes live. You can head over to Anchor.fm slash Samuel Adams. I'm done peddling my wares. Thank you for being here. I appreciate you guys very much. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I will talk to you soon and peace.